Welcome back to Hold Fast, where we have biblical truths for daily battles. My name is Kenny. I am the host of the podcast, and we are continuing our series. This is a question and answer series where I am taking questions from my sermons on Sundays because our church is in a series called Did God Really Say? We are taking some of the most controversial topics of our day, and I've said all series long and throughout this podcast series that I can't answer every question that's going to come up in a 40-minute sermon. So I'm making this podcast available as a way for you to ask questions. So I'll link to the sermon, uh, each podcast episode that I'm taking questions from. Um, If you watch or listen to the sermons or better yet, attend our church on Sundays and you have a question from the sermon, you can send those into me and I will launch a podcast each Wednesday following the sermon where I will take your questions. My email address is kennyroberts at missionwaychurch.org. Most of you already know all that information. That was just a brief recap for anybody that might be jumping in for the first time. You can get more information about this series by going back to the first episode or two um, where I give you a lot more context if you'd like that. So this past Sunday... We talked about abortion, and I said to our church that this this sermon was the heaviest for me in this series. It was the one that I was most um, not nervous about, but it was the one that I had the most concern about, not because I'm afraid to talk about it, not because I'm ashamed of the truth on this, but simply because I know that this is a weighty issue, that literal lives are at stake on this issue, that this is something, this topic, probably more than any other we've talked about, carries more anger and vitriol with the opposing sides in this debate. And not only that, I shared some statistics in my sermon that show that that what I said is, if the Bible is true, and it is true, which we know statistically that over 50 million abortions have taken place in the U.S. since 1973, then this is the greatest evil happening in our country on a daily basis. And I don't make that statement lightly. I don't make that statement without really considering the implications of of what I've said. Um, I believe that this is the greatest evil happening currently in our country on a daily basis and in many countries around the world as well. So it's important that we talk about it, but it's important that we approach this as with everything else, with humility, uh, with grace, but, but with both feet planted firmly on the truth. We've got to speak the truth in love on this issue just like any other, but our tone is going to be slightly different on this issue than it is with others because we really believe as Christians that lives are at stake. We really believe that this matters and we care about the babies that are being aborted. We care about the mothers and fathers. We care about everybody involved in this situation, Um, but we are going to speak on this issue as with others, with clarity, with kindness, with truth. Uh, we're not going to back down just because uh, we're hated for it. Um, and and we're not seeking to be hated for it, but we're not going to back down because we are hated for it. So um, to be honest with you, uh, I actually have not received uh, very many questions this week. And um, what's interesting about that is I've probably had more in-depth conversations about this sermon with people than any other, um, but I've not actually received in my email inbox some specific questions. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, I think. Um, that's not really the point. What I want to do then is still add value to this podcast. And so I have sat down and tried to think of some of the uh, the 
some of, not all of again, but some of the most frequently asked questions on this issue, or at least the questions that came to my mind as I thought about the sermon and some of the things that I didn't get a chance to say in the sermon. Again, I'm, I'm probably not going to say everything you want me to say. So if you've got a question, still email it to me. If you listen to this episode and you're like, man, he didn't do this question. I wished he would have send it to me and I'll do it on next week's episode. On that note, I actually did get a question this week that wasn't specifically in regards to the issue of abortion, but I'm still going to tackle it because it's a question that came in. Somebody said, if we encounter behavior that doesn't align with our values or makes us uncomfortable, how should we address it without making the person feel like they are being judged or accused? Um, Honestly, I've given some answers around this topic throughout this series of podcast episodes as we've talked about how to talk with family and friends, how to bring it up, when to bring it up, those kinds of things. But a few more things to consider as you try to figure out how do I address somebody who's living, I believe, in sin, who's close to me, how do I do that without making them feel judged or accused? One thing I would say is that we have to make sure we have a biblical idea of what it means to judge someone. So I go back to Jesus' passage in Matthew chapter 7 where he says, judge not lest you be judged, right? People take that verse and they stop there and they go, Jesus said, don't judge. Um, But they don't read the rest of the verses because if they did, they would see that Jesus is actually saying, don't judge wrongly or unrighteously, but instead judge with right judgment because this is where we have the passage where Jesus says, If you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you're ignoring the log in your own eye, you're becoming an unrighteous judge. So he says, first, take the log out of your own eye, deal with your own sin, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In other words, deal with your own sin so that you can see clearly and you can judge properly the sin of your brother or your sister in Christ. So Jesus does not say, ultimately, don't judge. He's saying, don't judge wrongly. Don't judge as the world does. Don't, the, the world would use this word, don't be so judgmental, right? Don't, don't live on your high horse and speak down to everybody. No, 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 we don't do that. We, with humility, deal with our own sin and in love and in truth, go to people about their own sin. So I would say, don't get caught in the trap that makes you think that you're not allowed to judge as a Christian. You actually are allowed to judge with righteous and loving judgment. We're we're actually called to do that, especially in regards to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, you don't want them to feel accused. What you don't want to do is go with a pointing finger, right? You want to go with a caring heart, with a compassionate tone, with, um, with, with truth, with love. We want to do all these things. And so you've got to pray to know the right timing. Um, I've, I've talked before in this podcast, you don't want to bring this up in the heat of the moment, right? You want to find opportunities to show the person your care and concern, make sure you establish a strong relationship so that they know when you bring this up, you're coming from a place of love and, and support and care. Um, don't just randomly throw it into the conversation. Don't just bring it up out of the blue, right? Make sure that you take time and take concern and take care when approaching these kinds of conversations. So I've said a lot about that in previous episodes, I would encourage you to go back and re-listen. I don't want to rehash some of what I've already said. Um, so that was just a few more thoughts that I had on that issue. Now let's talk about some questions on abortion specifically. One of the things that I was thinking about as I was preparing for the sermon is when you have the conversation about abortion, people will, will throw out a lot of what I would call whatabouts. Okay. Whatabouts. They will say, okay, you're saying abortion is wrong. What about this? What about in the case of rape or incest? What about in, in the case where it's a teenage pregnancy? What about 
and, and the list goes on and on and on, right? You know what I'm talking about. They're all the whatabouts that are given. How do we handle those? So without going into every possible specific whatabout scenario, um, I would say that we, we as Christians have to start with a biblical worldview. This is what I've been saying all series long. If you want to know how to handle all of the whatabouts, you have to make sure that you understand biblical principles because you can, you can take any argument where people begin with whatabout. You can answer every single objection by going back to to the principle. And the principle that we start with is every human being is made in the image of God from the moment of conception. Every human being has equal value and worth. Therefore, abortion, we believe, according to the scripture, is a murderous act. And so we have to start with that principle. And so when somebody says, what about, typically you're going to go back to the principle that says, okay, you're going to answer one evil with another evil. You're going to answer, you're going to answer one difficult situation with another evil. That's never the answer, right? And so almost all of the whatabouts for the Christian has to go back to the principle of if, if scripture has given me the guiding principle that every human being is made in the image of God, I will not be responsible for purposely ending the life of an image bearer of God. Um, I can't do that. That would be considered murder according to God's standard. You have to, you have to ask yourself in this and every issue we've been talking about for that matter, by what standard will you answer these questions? By what standard will you live? Is it just, are you going to live by the standard of whatabouts? As if you just have to take every situation as it comes and make up your moral standard as the situation presents itself? Or have we been given an abiding, true standard that is eternal, that is timeless, that answers every question and every objection? I believe we have. I believe we've been given the word of God that is sufficient for life and godliness. Everything we need, every, every, every truth we need to answer the objections and the lies of this world is given to us in God's word. So we answer the whatabouts by going back to the principles. And we have to understand, and I said this on Sunday, I quoted Vody Bauckham, he said, you know, hard-hearted people, when you answer their questions, they just go and find another question. So we, you have to understand that. When, when people are bringing all the whatabouts, typically they're not necessarily looking for an answer. They're just hoping that they're going to stump you. They're just hoping that they're going to they're gonna get you to finally be silent if they can come up with a scenario where your principle doesn't work. I'm not saying that's true of everybody who brings up the whatabout question, but I'm saying that can be often true. And so we need to make sure that we understand that going in, that some people who are asking these questions are not necessarily being genuine in this, okay? Um, so... That's some of the things that I would say to how do we answer the whatabouts. One, again, I'm not going to go into all of them, but one particular whatabout that is often brought up, and I think it's important that we answer this one, is what about when the mother's life is in danger? This is a huge talking point that's given that some pro-choice advocates are saying that these laws that are being passed against abortion will result in death, the death of many women whose lives are in danger because of a, an at-risk pregnancy, for example. And because they're so afraid to have an abortion um, and, and breaking the law, um, they're going to they're gonna try to carry the baby to term and they're going to die as a result of it. Um, first of all, if you do your research and look at the laws that have been passed, you're going to see that there are always, in every single case, there are exceptions that are made for, for those kinds of situations. Um, we understand that there are situations where um, you cannot save the life of the baby and save the life of the mother and really, really difficult choices have to be made. What, 
what I'm saying, what I believe the Bible says is that the mother and the child are both equally made in the image of God. And so medical decisions have to be made taking that into account that you're not saying that one life is more valuable than the other. So you're not going to just default to saying this is the best choice. We're going to do what we can to save both as Christians. We're going to, we're going to believe in the sovereignty of God and the power of God. And we're, we're going to make don't don't take the fact that I'm being brief on this to think that I think this is just an easy tie tie it with a bow answer. I don't. But but we're going to trust the Lord and we're going to do everything we can, uh, medically speaking, to save both lives. And when it's not possible, and when we get to the point that we that everybody realizes it's not possible, we make really really painful, really really difficult decisions. This issue gets brought up because. People think that when I say, what about when the mother's life is in danger, that we should just default to saying, okay, yeah, they'll just end the life of the baby just haphazardly, but that's not what we're going to say. We're going to say that baby, just like its mother, is made in the image of God, and we are going to treat them as such. We're not going to treat them as dispensable when somebody else's life is in danger, right? Um, there, there are, somebody gave this illustration, um, imagine if you were uh, in a situation where your kid was... Uh, was running out into the street and there was an oncoming car. As a parent, you are going to run out into the street at the risk of your own life to pull your child out of that street. In that moment, you're not just simply going to say, because my life as a parent is going to be in danger if I go to save my kid, then I just better not. No, every parent in that moment is going to say, I will risk my life for the life of my child. And I think we should have that same parental instinct in these kind of moments. I'm not saying that in obvious situations, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not even going to be good at giving you um, illustrations of possible scenarios here, but when you have a situation where it is, it is plainly medically obvious that there is absolutely no way to save the life of the baby and the mother's life is in danger if you continue to just try to force this out, again, difficult decisions will have to be made. I, I want to be careful because, again, I'm, I'm not a doctor to speak to either side of this issue from a medical perspective. I'm giving the biblical principle that says... Get all the medical information you can, but make your decision with the principle that both mother and baby are made in the image of God and they will be treated as such, okay? So again, we go back to the principle to answer the what about. We don't, we don't just allow the emotions of, of such an incredibly painful and traumatic experience to dictate what we're going to say. Truth cannot be dictated by our experiences and our emotions. Truth, truth has to have a constant source or else it's not truth. If truth changes, that means it's not absolute truth. And we as Christians believe in absolute truth. So there's a lot more in my mind that I can say about that, but I'm trying to not make this podcast last forever. I, I know that with the difficulty of this issue, one of the reasons that I may not have gotten questions this week is because sometimes people don't even know what to ask. And so I'm hoping that this podcast episode, as you listen to it, will prompt some of the questions that you may have, and you are more than welcome to send them into me, and I will address them next week as well. Here's another question. Um, how do I talk to someone who I know is considering abortion? And this is one of the questions I've gotten every week, right? How do I talk to somebody who's facing this, this issue? But the one with abortion is a little bit different here because you're not just talking to someone who's trying to make a personal choice for themselves. You're talking with someone who's considering making a choice that actually affects the life of another image bearer of God, right? And so 
there's a different urgency that happens here. There, you're not going to just wait around to see what decision they make because at that point it's too late. It's not as if you can take your time and let them walk down this road and see what happens as you can in some other, some other scenarios. This literally is, we believe as Christians, a life or death scenario. And so all the principles apply of speaking the truth in love, of having compassion, of having the right kindness in your tone and your approach. All of those things we've already talked about apply, but I do think the urgency is amped up in this scenario. And we have to be willing to, to go to them, even at the risk of possibly risking the relationship, if we do it in kindness and love, because we're, we're seeking to save the life of another person. We're not just talking about this person who we are having the actual conversation with. We're talking about another human life as well. So, so again, these are principles for Christians, because if we as Christians believe that the, the life in that mother's womb is an image bearer of God, then the urgency absolutely ramps up, and we need to be willing to go to them and go to them quickly, but go to them in love and go to them in kindness and with truth and with boldness. Um, being willing to risk the relationship if that's what it takes to save a life. Um, and understanding that 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 it may cost you the relationship. It may not. It, you, that's not going to have to be the ultimate concern here. The ultimate concern here has to be the life um, that is potentially going to be taken. And then if they make that decision to have the abortion, even after you've talked to them, you treat them with compassion and with kindness. You don't back down from what you believe that they did, um, but you make sure that they understand that forgiveness is available in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would, I would point you to the end of my sermon for how to maybe talk to somebody who has had, um, who has made this decision because I specifically address that a little bit towards the end of my sermon from Sunday that I will link to in the show notes if you missed that. Here's another question. What role should Christians have in our society on this issue? Should we get involved in trying to help write legislation? Should we be out in front of abortion clinics trying to talk to people? Um, should, should we be talking about this in public? I mean, what, what is our role? And I would say all of it. I'm not saying that every Christian needs to be involved in every avenue, but you need to figure out what... What arenas and situations has God placed you in? What giftings has he given you that allow you to be able to make an impact on this issue? Um, because I believe we are called to rescue the weak and the needy. I believe that we're called to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. I believe that we are called as Christians to defend the truth and to defend the truth in the public sphere. Our faith is in some ways, yes, a private faith. It's a personal relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Or, or I would actually say our faith is not a private faith. It is a personal relationship with Jesus, but our faith should be a public faith. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. He says, you're the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Salt preserves. Salt goes in and, and it adds flavor and life, right? We, we are called as Christians to be a preserving agent in the culture, that when evil is happening in our culture, we are called to fight against that. Now, our battle is not against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting ultimately against the people who are advocating for abortion. I'm fighting against the ideologies. I'm fighting against the demonic spirits that are at work here. I'm, I'm fighting a spiritual battle on this issue, but I am called as a Christian to participate in some way. If I'm being transparent, 
I've been convicted about this for quite some time in my own life, and maybe more than ever this past week as I prepared for this sermon about my lack of involvement in this issue and, and our church's lack of involvement in this issue. So I'm beginning to pray more fervently about, Lord, how can I be more active and involved in this sphere? How can I be a part of seeing abortion uh, ended in, in our country, in our world? How can I be a part of speaking for those who can't speak and seeing lives saved and and not just seeing lives saved, but then seeing like like let's talk about the the mother who's considering an abortion maybe she's an unbeliever and we go to her and we get her we get her to not have the abortion, um, but to go a different route, maybe either to keep the baby or give the baby up for adoption. We as Christians stay with her and we disciple her and we want to see her come to Christ. We want to see her life transformed. We want to see that baby whose life is saved to see that baby's life also transformed, to see them walk in a relationship with Christ, right? So we stick with it. We're in this entire process. We're not out, out there just trying to write laws and, and make sure that people hear our voice really loudly. We're, we're trying to fight a spiritual battle. We're trying to see disciples made. We're trying to see lives saved. So how we should be involved is going to vary based on the context that God's placed you in, based on the giftings that he's given you. But but I'm convinced that no Christian, there, there should not be any Christian that plays zero role in this. At the very least, at the very least, at a base level, we as Christians should be speaking out about this when we have the opportunities. That's, I think that's at a base level. Um, and, and maybe for some of us, I talked, I've talked with people who have been uh, counselors out at abortion clinics. They stand out at abortion clinics and they wait for people to pass by who are considering abortions and they try to talk to them in compassion, not in, not in a judgmentalism, like, right, like we talked about earlier, but in compassion and kindness. And um, th- th- that could be your role. Maybe you decide that you're going to enter into the foster care system. Maybe you decide that you're going to stand outside an abortion clinic with a sign that says, I will adopt your baby. I know people who have done that. The, the, the possibilities are potentially endless. Um, and then even maybe you're involved in the political sphere in some way, and you can be a part of helping to write legislation on this issue. Um, you, should, you should find ways to be involved in that if the Lord has given you the giftings and the, the open doors to be a part of that. So um, the role that we as Christians should have in this society is, is whatever God places before us, whatever giftings he's given us, whatever opportunities he's given us, that we walk through them boldly. And at the very least, we as Christians should be speaking out on this issue, not, not with a hatred megaphone, we hate everybody who thinks differently than us, but with the gospel first with the gospel at the forefront. Again, I would point you to the end of my sermon from this past Sunday to understand the kind of tone that I think we should have as Christians on this issue. Um, Kind of on that note, on the legal legislative side of things, another question that comes up is, should we as Christians celebrate pro-life laws and legislation that goes into place? Um, When Roe v. Wade was overturned, yes, I believe Christians should celebrate that. I believe that's a huge win in in that sense. Um, I think that we should be celebrating when, when laws are passed that restrict abortion, but I don't think that we as Christians should be fighting to get just restrictions put in place. Let me, let me try to parse out and explain what I mean. Um, without going too deep into the weeds, you have the pro-life position that says we're, we're trying to fight against abortion. Um, that's a very general way of saying that. I understand there's nuance there, but we're fighting against abortion. We believe life is life and should be saved. And then you have another position that is known as by some, the abolitionist position that says, we're not going to support 15-week abortion bans, for example, because that's not enough. The abolitionists would say, um, if it's not an ending of all abortions totally, then we're not necessarily going to celebrate that. And 
I understand the reasoning behind that. And I, I can, I can lean in that way in some ways because we all want it to be ended. Right. Um, but I would say as a Christian that, that any law that passes that does save the life of babies, we're going to, we're going to cautiously celebrate in the sense that we're not saying this is the end all. We're not saying that we, we would have written the law that way ourselves. We would have written a law that said end all abortion, but if a law passes and it's another step in the process, I, I do think in some way as Christians, there should be some joy and celebration on our part mixed with the grief and sadness that it's, it hasn't gone all the way yet. Um, and so in some ways I find myself being a, a partial abolitionist in, in that sense. Um, and if the Lord places me in a role where I'm, I'm getting to talk to and influence people who write the legislation, you can believe that I'm going to advocate for 100% abolitionist laws. And I'm not necessarily going to advocate for the, the six week, the heartbeat laws, the 15 week bends. I, um, and, and, Again, I think in some sense we celebrate those and, and we see that as another step in the direction that we're trying to go. So we don't, we, we don't get, we don't get uh, necessarily angry that, that more babies are being saved. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm just saying we cautiously celebrate by saying that's not, that's not it. That's not everything. Let's take the next step. Um, let's not be satisfied with those laws that don't go all the way. And let's push for laws that do go all the way in ending this issue altogether. I hope that makes sense. Uh, I'm open to disagreement and, and other positions on that. I have people I highly, highly respect that are full-blown ab abolitionists. Um, and then some other people that I highly, highly respect who, who take what they call a smash mouth approach where they go, We'll take whatever win we can get. We're, we're aiming for abolition, but we'll take whatever win we can get along the way. And I, I kind of find myself in a mix between those two positions somewhat, if I'm being honest on that. Um, so I hope that that's helpful. The last question I had here is, uh, and this is kind of a, a little bit of a, not a lighter way to end, but it, it's not quite as heavy as the other uh, questions that we've been asking so far, um, because I thought this was an important question to ask as well. I almost addressed it in my sermon, but I didn't really have time. Um, what what position has the church historically taken in this issue? Because there are some that will say that the church hasn't always thought this. The church hasn't always been so concerned about abortion. Um, and I can actually point you back to the the very, very early days of Christianity where you don't have the New Testament using the word abortion, but you have something called uh, the Didache, which is an early uh, document written by um, many people who knew the apostles. And um, this this the, the, the Didache was actually dated all the way back to as early as the 100s AD. Um, so very, very soon after the time of Christ and the time of the apostles. And the Didache, uh, by the way, that's spelled D. D-I-D-A-C-H-E, D-I-D-A-C-H-E. Um, you can find that available online. It's a great resource to read. Um, but the Didache actually said specifically, thou shalt not murder a child by abortion, nor kill that which is begotten. And so from the very early days of the church, this has been historically believed. You can trace it throughout church history. The church, uh, the true church of Jesus Christ has always stood firmly on this issue. I'm not saying you haven't had people in the church who have taught falsely on this and believed differently, but as a general rule, a principle of, of, of the whole of the church throughout the course of history, they have always taught that abortion is wrong, that it's a sin, um, that it's murder, because we believe that is an image bearer of God in the womb. 
Um, if I'm being honest, um, as I'm thinking about this, wrapping up this episode, I realize that we live in a day and age where, um, an ep- a podcast episode like this may actually get taken down on some platforms. Um, so my prayer is that that doesn't happen. Um, I'm not as wise and smart as some people I know who kind of avoid saying certain words and all that. I'm just, I'm just trying to preach the truth. I'm just trying to provide a resource for our church. Um, this is not me necessarily, um, trying to stand on my, you know, my high horse in any way, but at the same time, I, I'm really tired of not speaking on this issue and I haven't intentionally not spoken. Um, but I also haven't intentionally spoken if, if I can say it that way. And, and I, I, I believe that we should as Christians. And so this is my, um, this is my chance to do that in a way. Um, and I believe we as Christians need to be more willing to be courageous on this issue because it does matter and matters greatly. I pray this episode, as heavy as it is, uh, as difficult as it is, was encouraging to you, brought some clarity to you. If you have more questions, please send them to me. I'm, I'm grateful that you're taking the time to listen to this. Many of you have commented to me how helpful this series has been. And um, so I'm, I'm glad that I'm taking the time to do it. Please share this with somebody that you think would benefit from this. Um, one of the best ways you can share the podcast is by giving a rating or review. Thank you to those who have done that. If you have not done that, just take a minute, uh, go to where you're listening to this podcast and find the opportunity to give a rating or review. Um, I would appreciate that. It helps help spread the word of the podcast. Um, and so thanks as always for listening to another week of hold fast, Lord willing, I will be back next week with another episode. God bless.